Welcome to Dark Horse Matters, the show about people, their passions, and their pursuit toward manifesting their dreams in real life. I'm your host, Bev Matayoshi, and I'm passionate about finding these passionate people and sharing their stories with you in hopes to light a fire under you to go after your dreams. So if you haven't already, go ahead and like and subscribe, hit the bell so you can be notified every single time I have a new story on here. And for those of you returning, I really appreciate your support. It's been awesome. Um, I'm so happy that we're going on season three and this is our RDH series. So I have a lot of really amazing guests lined up for you this year. So today I am super excited about this person I recently met this summer at a very amazing, amazing, amazing event in Orlando at the RDH Under One Roof Convention. It was just really, really incredible to be under the same space with such passionate, passionate dental hygienists and medical professionals. So, okay, I am a very busy person. I'm a full-time dental hygienist clinician and I'm a serial entrepreneur. And I am a single mom. So I'm always like, you know, running around. And when I look at this woman, she just inspires me so much. I do not understand how she has enough time in one day to do everything that she She is so amazing. So I'm going to introduce her to you right now. She has accomplished so much in her time. She's a dental hygienist, a very passionate one, but she's also a chiropractor physician. And she is the co wait, she's the founder of SWIFT, which is like a, a group that really honors and features uh, empower, and empowers women to go and get educated in the medical field. And she, that's a, a, a nonprofit organization. And on top of all of that, she's also an active member of the American Dental Hygiene <laughs> Association and the American Chiropractic Association as well. So I don't even know how she handles all of all of this at once. And on top of that, she's a mom and a wife. So she is superwoman to me. I can't wait to introduce you to her. So please give a warm welcome to Dr. Karen Gordon. Woo! <laughs> Hi. How are you Hi, doing? Hi, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Um, you know, I'm so grateful for you to be on here today. Um, I've been just interviewing so and meeting dental hygienists from all over the world. And it's just been super inspiring to be in front and surrounding myself with such accomplished people. You know, I'm, I'm just so grateful to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm like so excited. Like I met you last summer and I've been following you and like you have so many interesting things happening because so many interesting people I mean, you just keep amazing me with the content that you have. I'm just so honored to be one of your guests today. Oh, thank you. So everybody out there, we met at a dental hygiene convention last year in Orlando. It was just blew my mind how many uh, hygienists there were doing so many things. Like a lot of hygienists just feel stuck, you know, like, or we don't really know what else we could do. It just really amazes me how these women are innovative and they're pushing and really, really growing the profession into something more amazing that's gonna keep and keep expanding. So before we get into your journey, can I just ask you to give us a, a background about yourself? Like, where'd you grow up? Sure, um, so I am Jamaican. I grew up in Jamaica. Um, I spent most of my teenage years there and um, I migrated here to the States. 
and I've been living here since I was 19. And when I came here, I, you know, at first I was in love with like dentistry, but I didn't know it yet. And <laughs> when I had the opportunity to go to school, I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, ah, dentistry is so long, like, you know, become a dental, a dentist. I'm like, ah, maybe I should just find what's closest, right? And then, you know, I went to school and became a dental hygienist. And that's where the love for dentistry began. I've been practicing for the last 17 years. And um, recently I, you know, had like an epiphany and I see people around me having lots of back pain, neck pain, and, you know, family members. And um, I remember one of my family members went to the chiropractor and it was like the only person that could actually help um, her with her situation. And I was like so intrigued by that. And I did dig deeper and I'm like, you know what, holistic. I can do more for people and I can um, not just talk to them about their oral hygiene. Now I can start talking to them about systemic, their systemic health and what's going on with them from a neuromuscular perspective. I'm like, you know what, this might be for me. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And <laughs> since then, <laughs> I've done a few things. Um, I started... Um, once I graduated from school, I opened a practice with one of my colleagues. And um, from there, I, I'm actually now teaching full time. I do still practice dental hygiene um, like once a month. Um, and I still try to be very active in the dental hygiene community and the dental hygiene space and the dental space because there's lots of educational opportunities for us out there. And I want to be a part of that. So that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. Right. Uh, you know, it just blows my mind because I just remember how intense dental hygiene school was. And um, what, how far into your dental hygiene career did you decide to go into chiropractic? Um, well, really and truly, um, if you, I'm sure you, you know, uh, uh, Carrie carter Sterellis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we work together and, you know, we've, we've been, our journey started about the same time. She's been in dentist a little bit longer than I have, but we used to work together. And, um, you know, prior to me going full time into to school, um, we met and we worked together briefly. And one of the things that we all both, you know, realized that, you know, we're, we're getting burnt out. You know, dentistry can easily burn you out if you don't know what you're doing. Um, I worked for corporate for 12 out of those 17 years and it was it was mounting up. And every time I would see a patient, it's always have this burning desire to help even more. And when the opportunity came for me to make the transition so I could learn something new, I did it. Wow. Um, that is just uh, amazing. Like, I, I, I just remember when I got out of school, how I was just like, I, I don't even think about going back to school. You know, I just wanted to jump in, help people. And, you know, but I can totally hear what you're saying about getting burnt out because right out of school, I had all this crushing student loan debt. And I just remember working six days a week. I think I did it straight for five straight years. And that's insane insane that schedule you know and it's really hard on the body if you don't know what you're doing <laughs> um and you know I think a lot of hygienists are feeling that um now but the luck the the great thing is there's a lot of education out there that teaches people how to work smart and get in so I wanted to kind of ask you like 
what what drove what drove you initially where's your drive and your ambition come from to want to just learn and help you where where does that energy come from oh i don't know i i've, I've always been passionate about helping people I, i don't feel like i hate seeing people in pain and um I really feel very empathetic towards the situation and what they're going through and it drives me to want to help them even more so you know I I don't want to say like from when I was a kid what I know it sounds corny and cliche but oh no I think since I was a kid like I always knew I wanted to do something that helps people and um I didn't know what it was I just you know kept on pushing so drive and determination maybe it's a caribbean thing cuz caribbean people are always like like super driven i don't know what's wrong with them but we're <laughs> always like hyper focused on a goal and you know and you know no matter what kind of adversity we go through we always trying to do better for whatever reason whatever it is even if it's some people might think of it as the most menial job but we'll take the most menial job and do the best as we can out of the most menial thing so I I don't know what drives me I think just the ability to want to do better and help people even more and um see when you know think that people shouldn't tell me is they can't do it right mm-hmm. if if you tell me that and I'm going to do it just because you told me I can't do it so trying to really prove to myself that I can do better and you know I can attain this thing that's part of my drive what about your parents like did they come to america at the same time as you or did uh, are they still over there like what's going no. on my i grew up with my dad my dad um he lived here for a while and and then he lives he lives in jamaica full time um he's older i'm a old i'm a old grandpa dad if that if i don't know if anyone knows what that means it's me like your dad's old okay so he <laughs> had me <laughs> he, he had me when he was much older and um when you know I was growing up I grew up with him and you know he's a old dude so he has old ways and how he does things my mom was here in the states um you know she has a different you know we have all of many siblings you know caribbean people we have like a lot right like i have 11 siblings like that's too much wow like, i can't count them all like uh, what's your name again <laughs> It's too much. So like my mom has like one set and like my dad has another set and then in between the two I have, I have one sister that we you know we share but it's hard to keep track of all these people like um who are you again? So you know my situation I I won't say it was like uh I don't know it was rough or anything. My dad was strict about school. He didn't care about anything as long as he did well in school. and my mom she's very more artsy and very hands on my dad is more businessman to the book you know and i i think the combination of the two of them kind of brought who you saw today really wow that's crazy that you came from a, such a big family i thought i came from a big family and i have four siblings <laughs> <laughs> it's like nothing compared to what you i can't even imagine how many personalities that you have to deal with with all of that and and But, it's funny you know they're, they're all different ages so i have um uh siblings that are about the same age as my mom and i have um you know a older set and i have a set that's 
just much younger than me. And my youngest brother, he's like 20, 20, 21. So, you know, they're all spread out. We come from different generations and you know, we didn't all live, grew up together, but it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I would love to come to a family reunion. <laughs> <laughs> be out of control. <laughs> That'd be a reality TV show right there. Um, Got that right. So how, like, what part of your career did you become a mom? Like, how did you um, put into the mix of everything that you're doing? So, like, my kids, my son is like a smart ass. So he'll go back and track, like, when we got married and when he came along. Like, why are you even doing that, right? So I, I, I would say right out of, as soon as I was done with hygiene school, we got married and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, I think we're pregnant. And then there's my son. He's 16. Yeah. And then um, my daughter I have much later. Um, she is 10. And I had her, um, you know, while, while I was in, you know, uh, seasoned hygienist it was really hard actually um one thing I can tell anyone that's a hygienist that is looking to have a child and keep it real until it goes wrong um definitely make sure you plan ahead um if you don't have insurance that's like a big thing lots of people work private practice that don't have insurance and they don't really know or even think that this is going to be an issue but having an insurance was a big thing for me, you know? So this so happened, I had a job at the time that gave me okay benefits and you know, made it plausible. When baby number two came along, I was smarter. I was older, they, call, they considered me a grandma mom, whatever. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I thought about what I need to do. I researched before number two came along, make sure the job that I had at the time had decent benefits. And um, I kind of planned ahead for that one. And it was rough because breastfeeding and trying to run back and forth with a baby and you're doing dental hygiene, no bueno. Trying to be locked up in the room. Oh, it's pumping time. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> Elbow deep in someone's like period on the I'm telling like, uh, I'm like, uh, let me just, just hold up. Give me a minute. And it was so funny. I remember that when I had my daughter, my um, shortly after the dentist I was working with, she got pregnant with her baby, and you know she had to do kind of like the same thing: run to the to the back, pump, 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 and then go back and do an extraction. You know, same thing. I have to do the pump, pump, pump. Okay, scaling root planing real quick. All right, I gotta go to lunch. I have to go breastfeed. You know, like a crazy person. It was really challenging at that time. So definitely, you know, as a high dental hygienist, you want to make sure that you plan your time and your funds accordingly. Um, make sure whichever job that you have, you you have long-term, short-term, half-lack. Um, you make sure that you have um, funds put aside just in case you feel like you don't want to go back to work. And make sure that you have someone that can assist you. Like I had great help. My mother-in-law was there with me and she was awesome. Both my kids and she helped, helped me out a lot. Like having family is a great um, help when you have kids. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, you know, when I was looking into getting into dental hygiene school, um, 
everyone kept telling me how flexible it was and you can go on vacation. You can, you know, do all these, uh, you can plan your schedule around all your fun basically. But, you know, I never thought about being a parent, you know, and I was in my twenties and I I always just thought, um, you know, when the time came, everything would be all right because it's flexible, you know, but I mean, I never even thought about what happens if I'm a single parent, you know, and as a single parent, um, when I had kids, yeah, it just so happened that I was very lucky at the time that I had a job that had medical benefits. If I had um, had my kids not in the state of Hawaii at that job that I was at, my life would have been so much different. I think like a lot harder. And I'm always so grateful that I was in that place when I had kids because I did not plan my kids. You know, they kind of just like, hello. And I was, you know, they're the best things that ever happened to me. But at the same time, you know, financially and the medical insurance, you know, I I was just so grateful. I felt like God was with me because I, I wasn't in a situation where, you know, I was, you know, I, I was struggling, but it wasn't like, you know, I was in dire straits. I, I was very fortunate. I had a lot of support. Definitely. Right. right. But those of you who want to become dental hygienists, like there's a lot of planning ahead if you want a family, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, um, definitely. <laughs> planning ahead definitely helps. Um, yeah, that- yeah, not to touch you, but that, that's why I, you know some people poo-poo on working for corporate but that's one of the perks of working for corporate I'm not going to say oh my god it's the best thing since sliced bread because we all know how corporate is corporate you're going to work for them you have to produce for them but at the same time I had full benefit like for me that was the most important you know mm-hmm. if something happened to me then at least I would have some kind of protection for my family and, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where my head was at the time when I worked for them. I worked for them for 12 years. No, I'm sorry. I misspoke. For nine going on 10 years, I worked um, for one company and the other one for um, three, almost four years. So for the most of the time that I was working, I worked corporate. So when you decided to go back to school to do chiropractic, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that that's what I'm interested in How did you that was rough that? that I mean I mean I don't even think I don't even know how what I did I don't know how I did it because it was, it was not easy um I, I have to say I'm a very loving and supportive husband um I that's alone I have that too <laughs> and uh, when it came to going back to chiropractic school some of the things I did when I knew I'd gotten to the program was start by kind of stockpiling, you know, I made sure that I paid off as much and as many of my bills as I could prior to going into the program because I know I wouldn't have a source of income. So I tried to make sure that that was taken care of that way. And then when it came to like, um, my vacation, stuff like that, I took it towards the end of the time that I was leaving. Um, one tip though, guys, let me tell you the truth. I'm going to keep it real. If you're planning to leave your job because you need to do something that's for you, then you have your vacation time, take your vacation time. Okay. It might not seem ethical at the moment, but if you, sometimes you tell an employer and this is what happened to me, the employer actually 
switched my my how would you call it my my status from full time to part time so that I would lose all of my benefits and um you know, I lost my vacation. They wouldn't pay it out because they had switched it before the year was over. So I have learned to be cautious about who you give your information to and what information that you want to give them. So um, now I look at everything a little bit sus. You know, like, let me see what I'm doing. All right, I'm kind of a little bit um, closer to the time. And then I'll let them know that we're going to have a separation of employment and so on. Um, but one of the things I did do, I didn't burn my bridges. I still left my line of communication open. Um, I made sure that I was, I was able to at least still work. You know, I kept my license active. Mm -hmm. I, chiropractic school was three years, three years and was 30 months. Not quite three years. I'm sorry, it was 40 months, 40 months long. So not quite four years, <clears throat> but... I made sure I kept my license active whenever, um, as soon as I got a chance off of school, I would just work so I can bring in income. So those are the things that I would do um, to, to make sure I didn't go crazy financially. Um, healthcare wise, I, I use government benefits. You know, that was the best way because my husband doesn't carry insurance. I used to be the one that carried insurance. And mm -hmm. that's what we did and we were very frugal. And we're still very frugal. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing, though, that, you know, you, you did everything in a smart way, you know, and that's so amazing that you accomplished all of that. Like, you know, I think it's a very interesting dynamic between being a dental hygienist and a chiropractor. Um, I think that's a very smart um, combination. Uh, I kind of want to marry a chiropractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you won't have neck, no neck pain no back pain right <laughs> my my spine would be so straight <laughs> right oh. um it's funny it's when you say that um you know we're we're similar but actually more similar than people would think you know we care about um overall health right even though as a dental hygienist we start with the mouth it doesn't necessarily mean that that's where we stop right Mm -hmm. We still look at different things. I mean, I used to think of myself as Sherlock Holmes when I look at somebody's uh, health history, right? I'm going through their health history. I'm trying to figure out, okay, so why do you have so much cavities? And I'll be searching through, then I start asking them the questions. And then I'm like, all right, we need to come up with a plan. And even though, you know, some people would think of themselves, okay, I'm just going to clean your teeth and see them in six months, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to clean your teeth. We're going to solve this problem. I'm going to figure out why I get in cavities. And we won't have this issue the next time, right? That's how I used to think. So as a, as a chiropractor, okay, you have this problem, you keep having back pain. How am I going to, you know, I can still bring the same frame of mind and focus when I work as a chiropractic physician. It's like the same type of thinking. How mm -hmm. can I solve this problem? Um, we're similar. We use our hands. Um, we're highly skilled. Um, and we care about our patients' overall being, and we always have to be re-educating and educating our patients. And those are the very close things that, that we do as practitioners, even though one is in the mouth and one is on the spine or the extremities, it's, it's almost the same, same process, you know? Right. 
Um, I wanted to ask you, because I know you do a lot of education on the TMJ, the, you know, and we as hygienists know what a widespread problem, you know, clenching and grinding and bruxes, you know, what that is. And a lot of my patients don't know what that is, what the source is, what it's connected to. And I think it's very interesting that you're a chiropractor where you kind of specialize on the outside, you know, you can kind of see and, um, you know, and also um, with TMJ and just with us as hygienists, we see people, you know, very often, more often than people see their physicians. So it's kind of interesting to see like you being in that position where you can help people um, kind of make those connections. So the, the TMJ, can you explain a little bit about how you educate and uh, how you tie the two um, uh, Dis- disciplines together? Yeah. Uh, sure. Um, so, you know, the TMJ, as just to, to be clear, the temper mandibular joint, we all have one. It's really right here, almost the corner of our jaw. It helps us with opening and closing the mouth and it's a major part of chewing, talking, and even um, how it stays at rest with breathing. Um, so it helps us to do everything that we need to do, right? Communicate, eat, sleep. So um, the connection that we make is uh, sometimes patients that have TMJ pain or temporomandibular joint dysfunction, um, they also have headaches. They have not just jaw pain, they have neck pain. Sometimes they have upper back pain. And um, what we've realized also from a dental hygiene perspective, I realized that they're clenching. And when they're clenching, they're putting a lot of stress on the sternocleidomastoid, their trapezius muscles, their occipital muscles. And um, that's what is part of the reason. Um, we also see that uh, if there are bites off, that's an issue. And we also talk to, I talk to my patients about their habits. If you're able to like talk about their habits, what are they doing on a regular basis, then you can make some lifestyle changes and modifications to kind of um, help them through that process. So how do I make the link, right? You come to me with jaw pain, right? I'm not just gonna look on the outside. I actually ask you to open your mouth so I can see how much you can open, what's your range of motion. Then I look onto your biting surface, the occlusion and your occlusal surfaces to see if you really have any wearing there. Then um, I, I look to see if you're deviating left or right, uh, how much is the deviation? Is there any cracked That's what we would evaluate for, right? Usually as a dental hygienist, you try to see if there's clicking or popping of the joints. And then from a neuromuscular standpoint as a chiropractor, then I'm checking to see where those tender points, those trigger points are, you know, um, how are they functioning with their um, cervical rotation? So that means, you know, how they're doing their neck, um, all the range of motion in the neck, flexion, extension, all of that. And I look at all those things combined. And then, then I take it a little bit step further because some people don't even realize that the behavior in the joint is mimicked in the pelvis. But mm. you can have low back pain and pelvic pain as all linked to the fact that you have a an issue with your temper mandibular joint also. You know, yeah. the fascia yeah, the fascia is continuous. It doesn't separate. 
the muscles are actually continuous um, when you're talking about the muscles of the back and ones that support the pelvis and the, everything is continuous. You know, it's like a domino effect. Mm -hmm. um, so when you start looking at these similarities and you start seeing where there, there's some dysfunction, um, then, you know, I kind of go into the next step. And the next step, there's always what we call a biopsychosocial component of pain. Your physical manifestation of pain is affected by your, your, your mental state. You know, what exactly is causing you to grind? Are you, what stresses aren't you managing correctly? So the dental part of me wants to know that. And the chiropractic part of me wants to know that. What can I do for that? Now, as a chiropractor, I can treat that neuromuscular um, dysfunction. I can give you an adjustment. Um, I can do soft tissue mobilization. And then we'll look at some things like ergonomics, um, look at the food that you eat, um, some of the habits that you have. As a dental hygienist, uh, we'll be looking at what you eat, how you eat. Um, are you clenching or grinding? Do you have a night guard? Uh, when's the last time you've seen your dentist? Stuff like that. So I find the little links and the little things and kind of marry them. And then that's how I would treat my patient. Right. Do you even um, go, do you even evaluate sleep apnea too in your? I can, but I haven't gone that far yet. I'm still in the, I'm still in the learning stages of sleep apnea, but there is a very huge connection. Um, the papers and the research out there does support that. Um, I can, but I haven't gone into that realm just quite yet. I'm sure once I've been fully trained on it, then I'll be including that as part of my evaluation. Yes. Um, I met, I interviewed a doctor on the show um, by the name, Dr. Downs, amazing, amazing man. Um, he believes that healthcare can be changed in the future by linking dental and the medical together through the vessel of a chiropractor. Like that relationship a dental office could have with a chiropractor could really, really be the, the gatekeeper on um, getting people diagnosed with apnea, sleep apnea, because it's such a widespread, undiagnosed problem. Most people don't even know they're not breathing at night, you know, and right. I, we're one of the people that see, but we have no relationship with the medical doctors. We can tell right. them to get a sleep study, but are they going to do it? You, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to know that in the future there is, if we can, if dentists can build more relationships with um, the chiropractors, you know, that could be another referral source to get of people. Of course. To yeah. Definitely. I agree with, I, I, I agree with, I agree with him because we are portal of entry providers. And for those who are not aware, portal of entry means you're, you get the first contact for someone to come to see you so that they can seek treatment, whether you need to refer them out or need to be treated, we can do that. Um, we are in fact physicians. So when we are, we would be like that nice link, um, mm -hmm. you know, just like how, um, because I'm more involved, I'm becoming more involved in the myofunctional community and um, not just chiropractic, but I'm looking at things like making those little connections, like how can I marry the two um, and bridge that gap and my functional therapy is one of the ways I could do that and teach people about um, you know their rest positions sleep apnea 
and how it affects the musculature of the tissue and their ability to breathe, speak, eat, chew, it's literally all connected. And mm -hmm. if we take it even further and we start looking at it from a neurological perspective, if you don't have things firing the right way, then it's gonna affect how the muscles behave and how everything else behaves. So, you know, I'm, I'm slowly making my little links and trying to educate everyone as I'm learning about the, the ways that we can connect all these different dots because we're not all that different. You know, mm -hmm. we might work specifically on an area, but we really need to be working together as teams with our patients because that's the only way we're gonna move forward as clinicians is to work as a team for the common good of the patient. Yes, I, I, I agree. Um, man, you're so intelligent. I think you're such an intelligent person and I love how you're trying to make sense of and making those connections because I feel like today's medicine is so disconnected <laughs> And, you know, I, I love that you're passionate about making those connections for people because I really, really, really believe it's going to make a huge difference. Um, and I, those of you out there listening, like, I, I just want to point out that she's also an educator and a public speaker. So she really, really is not just about doing her work and, you know, being the doctor. She really wants to get that information out there to really help people. So can you kind of go into that a little bit? Like, what is that um, journey like um, getting uh, into the speaking world and being an educator in dental hygiene and chiropractic? So in chiropractic, um, you know, because I have that dental background, it's kind of interesting, new and exciting. So it's easier to, I think, like I'm going to be speaking for, um, the Faculty of American Chiropractic Association on just doing that, the linking the temporomandibular joint to the pelvis and how we can, you know, be more useful that way um, to our patient. Um, it's been easier that way when dentistry is a little harder. It's a little harder to, to get my, my, my voice out there, but I'm slowly doing it. Um, you know, um, speaking, I find topics that I, I really do love and I think are interesting. For example, ergonomics, People think it's only just about how you sit, sit up straight, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you notice I'm sitting in a very relaxed position. You know, I, I don't necessarily conform to the sitting up straight all the time. Sometimes you need to be relaxed. But it's not just about how you sit. It's not just about um, the things around you. It's more than that. It's um, about the food that you eat. It's about your relationship with your workspace. And it's the way in which you um make those connections so that you can work one of the topics i found interesting was nutrient ergonomics like kind of putting nutrition and ergonomics together and how you use it to help your body do better you know as a new neuromuscular um physician you know i'm not just looking at the muscles i'm looking at how are you feeding those muscles like are you nutrient deficient is that the reason why you have pain all the time um you know what else can we do to make um your life easier as a practitioner. You know, many hygienists, we don't, we don't go to the bathroom. <laughs> All day. I haven't peed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in, you know, then we end up with a bladder problem or a cramp in the leg, a cramp in the hand. And we don't understand why this keeps reoccurring. Keep having kidney infections. Don't know why. Um, I was working, I was tempting the other day and I noticed that the hygienist, she worked, she saw 15 patients. I counted it. 15 patients, no break. Right? I would 
Hi. <laughs> she started at seven and she ended at 5.30. Now, oh. what? I don't care if people want to make extra money and commission or whatever. I personally know a hygienist that drops dead at home because she was working like that. And no one, uh, she, she didn't show up to work and that's how they found out she was dead. So okay. is it really... Is it really worth it for you to be physically um, stressing yourself in that manner, not really taking into consideration that if you're going to take from your body, you're going to demand from your body you need to put um, fuel back in. And mm. that fuel is not just food. It's, you know, things that we do to our body, how we hydrate ourselves, how we feed ourselves, how we work in a space that allows us to move um, all those things are what encompasses nutri-ergonomics. So, you know, I'm trying to educate other people about that aspect of ergonomics as opposed to only looking at ergonomics from a, just a how am I sitting standpoint. Right. I remember, like, no, it's so important. And I think a lot of dentists don't realize because they don't spend the time in our rooms, you know, um, how the way the computer is set up in you know relationship to where your chair is how your chair is that functionality is so important to your body um i i tempt at this one office i mean the sweetest doctor ever but it the just the way it was set up was so non-functional and literally when i had a patient that canceled he walked into the room and my butt was in the air because I was like rewiring stuff and you know just trying to make it easier not only for me but the, the hygienist that comes the next day I was like she's gonna thank me <laughs> but, but but you're so right you know why are you cramming people into these very small spaces we should have the ability to either walk around our patients walk around our patients with our chair sometimes I wonder who designed these offices right you really think about space planning we need to actually have a working distance just like when you buy loops mm -hmm. you can't just buy a pair of loops random without being measured for those loops right you need to actually know how far and what the depth of inclination is when you're looking into the mouth so that when you're working it's the correct working distance same mm -hmm. thing do chefs just work in a in a cooped up space no they actually know the working triangle of the kitchen from the from the countertop to the stove to the fridge to whichever surfaces that they're prepping and preparing food for being a chef. So similarly in that profession, with our profession, we need to be able to know what our working space is. We can't think one cookie cutter fits all. Right. I remember working, the first office I worked at um, in corporate, it was so restrictive. Like I, I had no choice but to, to stay in a cramped position for a long time because there's no room for me to move around the patient's head. I like moving around my patient. I don't like staying, being stuck in one, 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 um, one position. And then to talk about how we, you know, even doctors don't think about nutrient economics. Who in their right mind, who in their right mind works eight hours a day nonstop? Who does that? You have to take breaks. Like mm -hmm. how are you supposed to function? You should have a break in between patients. Like that should be a part of patient care. So one of the things I had to start doing is learn to speed up my time. So I'm done at the 45 minute mark. So I have that 15 minutes so I can breathe. 
Why should we have to do that? Yeah. Right? So not only am I stressing my body to work harder and faster so I can just get a moment to go pee or to get a <laughs> sip of water or, right. you know, take a quick snack. I can't because they don't give me a break until four hours into the work shift. And then they still want to talk to you on the one hour brush break. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my point my point is they, you know, when they when we do the um when we're working, it's just not natural for us to be scaling. If you think about what we're doing, we're doing the same repetitive movement approximately 30 to 45 minutes nonstop. That's mm-hmm. not normal. You stare. I used to have eye problems because I'm staring at the same spot in the mouth. For 45 minutes without blinking who does that yeah i mean that's kind of normal now with everyone and their jobs in front of their computer you know and that yeah over position yeah like <laughs> like talk. why are we doing this to ourselves stuck <laughs> we need to move around we can't you know it, it's just it's just not normal to stay still for that long time and do such constant deep concentrated work so, you know, one of the things that we need to advocate for ourselves is to make sure that we have, a, 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 you know, establish those things like early out. You know, look, you give me an hour, I'm done, I'm really done in 45, but please don't ask me what am I doing. I still need to clean my room. I still need to set up. I still need to write my notes. I still need to have a sip of water. You know, I need to walk away from this place. I need to change position before I bring the next patient in. So, mm-hmm. you know, as time goes by, I mean, a practitioner, I learned a way to figure out how to, to kind of best utilize my time. But I feel like, why should we have to do that? I mean, you should, but why shouldn't, you know, it should, there should be a break in between um, seeing patients. It's kind of weird, I think, that, that whole assembly line. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's just so normal. I mean, that's the way it is. It's the way it's always been. And no one really questions it until now when they're just seeing that burnout, that that word burnout is just so um, apparent and evident now, you know, that people are starting to become more aware. And I just think it's it's really great now that we are talking about it and, you know, bringing more awareness about it. I love like all those um, just different uh, things that we can learn about ergonomics. It's so important. I am not the best. I do not have very good body mechanics. Um, It's definitely something I have to constantly work on and pay more attention to. So I think it's really great what you're doing. Um, We, before I enter end the interview, I do want to ask you like, what are your goals for 2023? Like, Anything exciting? Not that you can add any more onto your plates, but I know you. I know how you are. I know you have something cooking, probably. <laughs> so, well, oh, so what you got going on this year? Um, you know, this year, uh, I have. You know, in March, I'll be March or April. I'll be speaking for um, Faculty of American Chiropractic Association as one of the speakers. Um, I'll have another speaking engagement coming up too in October. Um, right now, one is for um, IAOM, um, which is the International Association of Oral Facial and Myofunctional Therapists. I'll be speaking there. Um, uh, I think it's in Las Vegas. I don't remember where actually. 
time. And then um, the other one I'll be speaking um, for the Dental Hygiene Alliance um, via um, via internet. Um, and that will be to in Canada. I'll be doing an um, online CE, which is great. Um, but I, I plan to do a, a more, I want to do more online events. I feel like I can connect with so much more people that way. Mm. You know, um, I feel like, you know, we're, what the one thing COVID has taught us is that we don't have to be, we can't physically be there. Then we can, we can utilize the internet, right? Yes. We can be anywhere we want to be in a matter of seconds, as long as we have an internet connection. And I feel like I can still get the opportunity to speak to more people that way. And um, now that I'm not practicing full time, I really want to focus on more education, like educating the public, educating my colleagues, um, you know, on going on vacations. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's that's my plan for this year. I don't have any super big plans, but it, it depends on I, I am going to be doing more table education for by a Gaia actually. Um, this year so we'll see i'm not sure which which events i'll be at yet um but that will be in the mix somewhere who knows what else will pop up maybe something else who knows that's great are you going to be at rdh under one roof in july in nashville this year um in july i'm not sure yet i have a lot of things going on from uh teaching wise so teaching wise i'm i'm kind of um I, wouldn't say, I don't want to use the word stuck, but we we've had a lot of changes that are going through, and I kind of need to support my students that way. Um, but uh, if the opportunity comes by and I have the availability, then yeah, that was really awesome. Yes. It was really a great event. It was um, meeting um, the whole RDH Mag team and the RDH Under One Roof team was was awesome. Um, I learned a lot. Can I yes. tell you a lot? Um, just I met you. I met so many people. Um, you know, everybody that you see on Instagram when doing the hot reels. I met all of them. They're so cool. Um, <laughs> and I thought uh, it it it'd be good to see them again and and hear what they've done. I I I really think that um, doing RDH on the one roof, um, just that event um, opened my eyes up to the possibilities, you know, once upon a time, hygienists only thought it had to be stuck into a room. And now we're out here speaking on podcasts, we're making courses, we are um, KOLs, KOIs, doing different things, um, you know, taking this this um, profession to another level. Yes, so. I, I find that to be super exciting and um, I won't necessarily say no to something. I just have to see what, where it can take me and who it can help. Yes. We, um, we were in, there's so many different names, but RDH under one roof is the dental hygiene uh, convention for the, I guess the East region of the country. And, um, RDH Evolution is this more intimate um, group where dental hygienists can learn how to go to the next level and progress the profession. Um, right. wonderful, wonderful group of people, just smart. There's so many smart people in that room last um, live when, when I met you. Um, 
super exciting. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on here. Daring, you're an amazing person. I really, really hope that you come in July because I want to party with you in person again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You are super fun. So I definitely know we'll be laughing and having fun if I'm there. Yes. Well, you have a great day. I just want to thank you so much for for coming on here and sharing your story. And I know there's going to be a lot of people who are inspired by you and who are going to learn from you um, every time you do your speaking engagements. And I can't wait to see you in action. Maybe you will be speaking at RDH under one roof and I can learn from you. Speaking into existence. Speaking into existence. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us on Dark Horse Matters, the show about people and passionate people and going after your dreams. Um, Like and subscribe, share with your friends so that we can just spread the joy and spread the passion around because if you are living your life without burning desire and a fire, then you're missing out. You're missing out. big. So thanks again. We'll see you next week. Be passionate.